there are many different styles of evangelism. And I think that God uses different styles of evangelism for different time eras and for different parts of the world. Hello, this is Walt Bennett, the president of Organic Outreach International, and I have the distinct pleasure today of having a conversation with Pastor Wes Dupin. Wes is the lead pastor of Daybreak Church, but he also comes from a, a long line in history of evangelism, uh, from starting from his father's generation through his generation and even down below that to their children. So uh, I'm, I'm thrilled to have Wes on board. Wes has been a friend of Organic Outreach for a number of years. They've been practicing it in their church in Michigan. Uh, and actually, uh, since we've incorporated, Wes has joined the board of Organic Outreach International. So he, you might detect in our conversation, he's a little bit passionate about what, what we do. Um, but we're going to take a little bit of time, get to know Wes a little bit better, and, and hear some stories about how he's engaged personally and how his church is engaged in, in organic outreach and uh, hopefully bring some nuggets of wisdom to the listeners out there. So, Wes, why don't you tell us just a little bit about your personal path of ministry? What, what drew you into this calling? And uh, give us a highlight reel of the journey up to this point. Well, Walt, it's great to be with you today. Uh, I look forward to this. I uh, always appreciate having the opportunity to uh, have a conversation with you. You and I have known each other for several years, as well as uh, Kevin Harney. And um, I, I do have a long history of evangelism, and it's, it's been an exciting one. Uh, just kind of taking you back a little bit, my dad, when he was only um, nine years of age, went to a tent revival. This was near Elizabethtown, Kentucky, just south of uh, Louisville, Kentucky, north of Fort Knox, Kentucky. And it was like the only thing in the community happening. It was kind of like a circus had come to town. His parents were not Christians, but he would go every night and he would hear the young 20-year-old college student preaching under this, uh, under this tent. And one night uh, there was a soldier from Fort Knox who came up and kind of laid his hand on my dad's shoulder. If you can imagine, he's in, um, you know, farming clothes, kind of a bib overalls and a t-shirt. He said, uh, young man, do you know Jesus? And he said, I don't. He said, well, I'm going to pray that tonight you give your life to Christ. And that night, my dad gave his life to Christ, went home and told his mom and dad about it. And that was sort of the beginning of the journey. And when he was just really just a, a boy, he started uh, preaching when he was uh, 10, 11, 12 years of age. It was like a novelty there in the community. At 14, he got on a train by himself in Louisville, Kentucky. It went all the way to Frankfort, Indiana, which is up above Indianapolis, and uh, went to a Bible academy, stayed there, went on to college. And during college, he felt called to be an evangelist, and that's sort of sort of the beginning. And of course, uh, I've been brought up in that, and uh, the atmosphere of evangelism has been uh, strong ever since. Uh, my dad did pastor a church for 10 years, and then he worked for an evangelist for five, a guy by the name of Bill Glass, who was a right defensive end for the Cleveland Browns, and he asked my dad, he said, uh, Clyde, would you come and join me? My dad said, uh, Bill, I'll join you if you'll resign from the Cleveland Browns. Think about that. And he said, I will. And he resigned uh, being a right defensive end. And together they went all across America doing city 
statewide crusades in football stadiums. And then my dad went on his own, and then I directed his crusades. Uh, after I got out of college, I directed his crusades uh, all across the country and around the world, Africa, throughout the Caribbean. And for 15 years, would train counselors, uh, work with pastors. So, uh, Walt, I do have a lot of history and a lot of great background in evangelism. So what's interesting to me is um, how you and your church have embraced organic outreach, because if you look at, at kind of the path of evangelism with that tent evangelism uh, beginning and, and kind of that heritage behind you, um, that's a distinct different approach, a very valid approach, but a distinctly different approach from what organic outreach does. How do you see those two worlds um, living together, coexisting, as, as it were? Well, that's a great question, and I, I understand that question. Uh, I, think, I think, first of all, there are many different styles of evangelism, and I think that uh, God uses different styles of evangelism for different time eras and for different parts of the world. Uh, I look at uh, people like Louis Palau and his son Andrew, who just had a great evangelistic uh, outreach in Egypt. And yet, um, for most of us in a local church setting, that would not work in the sense of uh, having a crusade in a, in a church every, every week. But um, that atmosphere, that environment of evangelism uh, run, runs deep in my veins. And I knew, I knew when I started this church 30 years ago that I had a real need here to make sure that our church was evangelistic and that we were not just uh, another, another church on the block. And I say that with respect. But when I came across organic, I, I, found, I found something that fit us uh, really perfect. And so I, I just wanted to make sure that we were going to do this right. And, and that, that was a program and more than a program. It, it, really, it really was a spiritual um, awakening for our church, for us to say to our people, this is what we're going to be about. But no, I don't, I don't see them as in opposition whatsoever. I see them working together. So what are the differences? So where does the, the kind of tent evangelism approach, uh, the, the crusade evangelism approach, where does that kind of come to an end of its effectiveness? And where does organic outreach pick up and carry on kind of the evangelism? What's, you mentioned, you know, the, there are different ways of evangelism. So where, where's the distinction between the two? Well, when you, when you do a citywide outreach or a festival or crusade, uh, whatever you might referred to it as a, as a Billy Graham style uh, outreach crusade, you're, you're trying to get the whole community involved. You're trying to get churches to join together. You're trying to get churches to minimize their differences, maximize their agreements. And one, one of the great benefits of a community-wide effort, a crusade, a festival, or whatever you want to call it, is that you get churches working together. I think that's one of the greatest benefits. The second thing that happens is that oftentimes you end up training a lot of people in your congregation to be counselors, to serve as counselors, to serve as people who are going to pray with those who come forward. And what we found when I, when I worked for my dad, I trained over 10,000 counselors, and that, that's a lot of people. That's a well, lot of, of counselors. People, 
Yeah, many of these people come from churches where there's absolutely no training, Walt, and so you, you get that kind of training. With organic outreach, this, this is a much more um, suited for a local church, and this is ongoing where you're infiltrating not, not just uh, your top leadership, but your entire congregation. And so uh, we're, not, we're not doing a crusade tent revival, that type of thing, but we do look at, we do look at our Sundays as our big outreach events. And our people understand the fact that, yes, we, we want you praying. We want you telling your story. For example, Walt, just yesterday uh, was my vision Sunday. And I went all the way back 30 years ago when we launched Daybreak and why we, we launched it. Very simple, that we might help people find God. And our vision was to create a church for the unchurch that they would like. And so yesterday, I went through our vision. At the end, I, I had uh, my wife, Claudia, who I led to Christ uh, way back in high school, had her to come up on the stage and tell how she came to know Jesus Christ. Well, that, that was very impactful. And mm -hmm. we've only done that a couple of times where I've had her to come up and share her story. But her story was 50 years old last week. And it came out, part of her story comes out of what was referred to as the Asbury Revival. I don't know if that's something familiar with you, but that happened 50 years ago. There were two students, seminary students, who came to my little church in Evansville, Indiana, where our family attended. And at that time, um, I had just started sharing my faith with who was just a friend at school. Her name was Claudia later became my girlfriend, later became my wife, I shared with her what I referred to as the Roman road. And she started coming to church with me. And these two uh, seminary students from Asbury came to our church 50 years ago last week and shared what had happened in their school. And it was at that point she said, I want to be a part of a total uh, all-out surrender of my life to Jesus. So that, that came out of really an evangelistic setting. And we have tried to create that atmosphere. And organic outreach is just uh, really giving us the tools that we needed as a local church to work with. And, and I know you're going to talk to me about what are we doing to implement that. I am, but but before I want to make an observation, you were doing organic outreach fifty years ago because the work that you were doing, you the story you just shared, you weren't the one who who kind of got Claudia over that threshold moment, but you were the one that was doing the work, introducing, talking with her, gaining her trust, sharing, so that when those Asbury students came, the light came on, and she gave her life up, and you know that's that was organic outreach. You were. You know, you didn't pound her over the head. Uh, you just built a relationship with her. So you're a pioneer. <laughs> You've been doing this for 50 years. So um, I do want to know, uh, within your church, one of the questions, you know, as we, as we deploy organic outreach as an operating system in a church, uh, one of the things that can be very challenging sometimes is asking the pastor to take a step back in the area of evangelism within the church uh, and outreach in the church and be uh, held accountable 
to somebody else in the church in their personal life. So we have this outreach influence team leader who's leading a, a team that's driving outreach through everything that happens within the church. And in this area of organic outreach and the model that's been built, this operating system, the lead pastor subjects themselves to leadership and accountability in this area from the outreach influence team leader. Now you're a gifted evangelist. You're the lead pastor of this church. The concept of saying, I'm going to step back and have someone else raised up in this. How did that fit with you? How does that work at daybreak? Uh, did you come up? Were there challenges in doing this? Um, and how is it working? Well, that, that is an excellent observation along with a question. And again, I, um, I give you guys a lot of the credit for the training here that we took several years ago. We took our staff through your training, excellent training. But one of the things that we did right off was, and I, I felt right where you're at, that you've got to have somebody beside the senior pastor, the lead pastor, carrying, carrying this ball with you. In our case, uh, I went to our lead elder. In fact, his name is Steve Frody, an outstanding business person here in our community. And I said, Steve, I, I want you to be our champion of outreach. I want you to be our champion of organic outreach in our staff meetings, in our board meetings, and in our church. And Steve stepped up. He went all through your training. Um, he is now that person. He is the point person. He not only uh, holds our staff accountable, he holds me accountable. And I, I would say this, the, past, the pastor is a key here. The pastor has to be the one to lead at least up front in his messages. There has to be vision casting from the lead pastor. It's got to be an important value from the lead pastor. But this lay person, and I'll refer to him as Steve, is constantly championing this. I mean, this is going on every, every, uh, every day, so to speak. For example, we have uh, a staff meeting uh, where we bring our larger staff together every Wednesday. And the first Wednesday of every month, Steve does a teaching from organic outreach. And then he will share a personal story of how he's putting it into practice. In his case, he, he owns a realty company, and he will share a story of how just the other day I was uh, with a family that's going through a very difficult time in their life, and then he applies uh, organic outreach, and he, go, he takes us through that. With our elders meetings, once a month, the first part of our elders meeting after we have prayer, we dedicate it always to organic outreach. And he will take the next 10, 15, 20 minutes. He will teach our elders a lesson. And then we go around the room and we share personal experiences, how we're applying evangelism in our own daily lives. So while you guys are doing the job, you're doing excellent teaching, you're modeling this, and now it is being modeled uh, from the top all the way through our staff. And now we're starting to move to our various teams. So give us a, just a flavor of, uh, you know, in, in the operating system of organic outreach, once a quarter, everybody on the team, including the lead pastor, has a one-on-one -on -one meeting with this outreach influence team leader. So, so give us just a peek into, you know, fly on the wall view of a one-on-one -on -one meeting between Wes Dupin and your outreach influence team leader, Steve. 
he's leading the meeting. Um, you know, four things happen in all of these meetings. You've got inspiration, accountability, learning, and planning. Um, so how, how is that relationship in that one-on-one -on -one meeting? What's the okay, dynamic that's, in that? That's very important. And we started that last September. And what uh, Steve and I do, we actually have it more often than just a quarter. We, we meet once a month for lunch. And uh, this, this is a part of what we do. We sit there. We share stories. I share stories. Steve shares stories back with me. We take temperature of our staff. We take temperature of our elder board. We take temperature of our church. And, and again, this, this is going both ways in, in, that, in that setting. But that's on my calendar. And we, we basically set that up for nine months ahead where we're doing that generally the first uh, Monday of every month where we have lunch together. We have some, you know, some time of fellowship, but we begin to share stories. And how are we doing? What do you think? What kind of grade do you give? Yes, we're doing that. Excellent. <laughs> so a lot of our listeners are interested in how they can build an outreach culture in their church, because that's what we're really talking about. When we talk organic outreach, we're talking about the culture of your church that's getting everyone engaged into outreach in their homes and in the churches. So what are some of the key issues that you see at the intersection of church culture and evangelism, where, you know, what sort of things in, in most church cultures get in the way, what things uh, can be leveraged, um, and, and how important is that culture shift to build momentum? Well, to, this is so key to, to what's happening here, or if left alone, this eventually grows lukewarm, and then lukewarmness grows into, well, we used to do that. Uh, th this is something that has, we, we, it has to be on the, on the front burner of the lead pastor. And I'll, I'll just take responsibility there along with my, my key person, uh, Steve Frody. I have to be the one to model this mm. up front. It's got to be stories in my own messaging, in my own sermons, teachings. Uh, I need to tell experiences over and over again of what's happening in my own personal life. Unless I'm practicing it, I, I can't expect my congregation to practice it. And, and I think this is where it, it fails. Walt, I think a lot, a lot of pastors are very well-meaning, but I think, I think we're involved in too many things. And what happens, we just let this go to the side. I think the second thing that happens is the word fear. Honestly, I, I think that there's a fear factor here even among us who call ourselves pastors. It's, it's, not, it's not an easy thing, and it's not even a natural thing just to sit down over a cup of coffee and say, Bill or whoever, I want to I talk to you about uh, what it means to know Christ personally. Hmm. That, that's, there's fear there. There's a little bit of, you know, uh, I, I don't know how he's going to receive this. Am I, am I going to scare him away? And so I think, I think a, a lead pastor has to, to practice, we, we actually do this in our staff meetings. We actually break into groups of twos. We don't, we don't do this every week and yeah. not necessarily every month, but on a, on, a, on, a, on a system, we sit down, break into twos, and we say today, we're just going to meet in twos, and we're going to play act. We're, we're just going to practice. What does it mean to take your temperature on evangelism? 
What does it mean to share your faith? What does it mean to tell your story? Now, that may seem redundant, and it may seem like, well, every, everybody's on the same page, but, but I find they're not all on the same page. But it's got it's to start with a pastor, and then Steve picks it up, and then we pass it on to, we call them directors instead of pastors, and then from, past, from uh, directors on to our various teams. It's, it's got to start, again, with, with a senior lead pastor who's feeling this in their heart. They're sharing these stories in their messages. They're looking for places to share this in their, in their, in their messages. For example, um, we're already planning for Easter how we're going to do evangelism. Just today, this morning, uh, we're, we're planning, I, I'll, just, I'll just tell what we're doing. We're, we're going to launch um, a series called Walk the Line. It's going to be built on the, the whole Johnny Cash uh, book called Walk the Line. And we'll, we'll actually build a railroad track in our auditorium. Now, our auditorium is a gymatorium, so it's easy to do this. But we'll lay down a couple of ton of gravel. We'll put uh, regular railroad ties. We'll put rails in. And on Easter... We're going to invite people to walk the line. It's going, to be a, it's going to be an evangelistic message. And then those people that come forward, they're going to get a, a black and white bracelet. Johnny Cash is all about black. And it will say, I walk the line at daybreak, meaning I made a decision today, Easter, to follow Jesus. And so we're already planning that. And there will be follow-up on all of that. We will take the next four Sundays after that, and we'll keep that railroad open because what we find on Easter, there's a, usually a huge response, and then they bring their friends back to see what we've been doing. And so we keep, we keep that going for uh, two or three weeks. But that's, just, that's just one idea. We're always trying to think of a creative way to invite people to, to Jesus. That, that sounds, that's a great uh, way of just helping people visualize. In fact, I'm, I got to look at my calendar and see what I'm doing on Easter. Maybe I can <laughs> make it out to the daybreak. Um, so I'm going to step back to, to um, the image that you, uh, that you brought up of, of two people sitting over coffee and, and the, the fear that's involved in, in raising that question, you know, what's your spiritual life about, or, or you know, has, can I take some time to just tell you about, you know, personal relationship? I can't tell you how many stories I've heard from Christians who have finally gotten over their fear and they've raised that question with, with a friend, sometimes a longtime friend, and the friend will look at them with a, a look of astonishment on their face and say, I'm already a Christian. I didn't think you were. And, and you find that there's these two Christians who have known each other for a long time, didn't realize each other were Christians and not, both of them were too afraid to raise it because they were afraid how the other one would react. Um, I mean, that's the, the, the depth of the fear uh, that sometimes can grip us in, in these social situations, this fear of, of being rejected or how are they going to take it, um, that we guard ourselves so carefully people can't even tell we're Christians. Um, and that's, that's one of the huge cultural things uh, that we have to try to overcome. So I, I love your image of that. And, and it just is uh, it's playing over and over again. And that's a cycle we have to break. So uh, we're running out of time. I don't want to keep this. We could talk forever. I know you've got a lot of stories and I have a ton of questions. And um, I think that just means we're going to have to have you back uh, in, in another six or eight months. Um, but I, I can't end the episode with, without two questions. 
what is your personal outreach temperature right now? Well, uh, I, I always feel like, Walt, uh, that's a difficult question for me, and, and I shouldn't make this a difficult question. I always feel like I can do better, and um, I would say on a scale of uh, one, 1 to 10, that, uh, and this, this is a scale we use in, in our staff meetings, that I'm probably around a 6 or a 7, and uh, I'm, I'm thinking of ways right now to push that up this week. I will tell you that uh, I'm going to Dominican Republic uh, in two weeks. I've been asked to speak in a refugee camp to a group of Haitian pastors, and I'm taking some of your material, some of your ideas, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try to simplify it as, as easy as I can. I'm speaking through a translator. But, Walt, it's going to be all about evangelism, all about sharing your faith, telling your story, being creative. How do you teach your congregation to tell their story? So I'm going to have a little bit of uh, organic outreach uh, in Dominican Republic in two weeks uh, as I uh, teach those Haitian pastors, and I'm looking forward to that. But I need to be asked that question constantly. How are you doing with your own temperature? Yeah. And... Uh just uh, we've had this conversation before, but I think you're gonna you're gonna be really heartwarmed with the response that you receive uh, from the pastors there. And and it's been my experience, you know, teaching in India and teaching in Africa and uh, the different places that we've been, uh, that organic outreach is culturally agnostic. It, it really doesn't matter what culture you go into; the principles apply. The context around them, sometimes you have to uh, use a different way to explain the principles to fit into the culture so they understand them, um, but the principles apply everywhere, and it's, it's just an eye-opening way of how do we just activate ourselves as Christians to get out with the word of the gospel in a way that's natural. So last question, and we don't have to have names, uh, just in case they tune into the podcast down the road, but uh, describe one person that you're praying for right now. Who's far from God? Well, I'll, I'll use his first name. Um, it ha it happens to be uh, my wife's uh, stepdad. His name is Bill, and we are praying that he will soon give his life to Christ. Um, this this is on our on our hearts constantly. There is another name on my list. Her name is Barb. I'm praying that uh, she gives her life to Christ and looking for those opportunities. Actually, in both these cases, there's been uh, sharing my story. Um, there's two or three other names that uh, I have that uh, I'm praying for. One is Mark, that uh, he will come to Christ. He actually uh, showed up in church yesterday. I was very encouraged by that. He had his daughter with, with him. So yes, this is, this is an ongoing um, thing in, in my own life. I, I do want to close with this one piece here, Walt, before I go. Uh, Southern Wesleyan University, their religion department, invited the Dupins about four weeks ago to come to their university and speak in their chapel to um, ministerial students. And about 1,500 uh, listened uh, by, by way of um, live cast. And here we are up on the stage, six Dupins three generations, and a fourth to be sitting in the audience. And I, I was just thinking, all of, all of us in some way 
uh, our evangelists, but doing it, but doing it in different ways. And, and that was the cool thing. Uh, my dad is the old fashioned Billy Graham, Billy Sunday style evangelist. And man, his stories, you know, we're still here. He is 87 years of age, still telling strong stories about coming to, to know Jesus. And then here's my brother and I, both pastors of churches, giving invitations at the end of our services. And then listening to my son in San Francisco, my brother's son in Lynchburg, Virginia, both of them inviting people to Christ in different ways, using different styles. And now there was a, a fourth generation sitting in the audience, getting ready to go, to way, go away and stud, study to be a minister. So this works. This works. <laughs> and I, I just want to encourage young pastors, older pastors, uh, don't don't put this off. Start today. Look for opportunities as you guys teach. Always look for that moment that you can push that temperature needle up just a little bit. All right. Well, thank you very much uh, for everything you shared with us today. We really appreciate your time. Uh, I know our listeners do, and there are a lot of a lot of good uh, lessons in that, and and just encouragement for those who are trying to engage in organic outreach in their churches. Uh, and I will be, I've made a note here already, I'm going to be lifting Bill and, and Barb and Mark up and, and your interactions with them. Uh, and I, I hope that our listeners will too, holding that up in prayer and just uh, giving some extra momentum to, to help them walk toward that uh, relationship. Uh, thank you all for listening to today's episode. Uh, Wes, always a pleasure. Um, can't wait to have you back uh, and can't wait to get back out to daybreak again and, and meet the, the great folks out there. You've got a wonderful team you've put together. Thank you all for listening. And uh, if you haven't subscribed to this podcast, we encourage you to do that. You can do that on our website, www.organicoutreach.org. If you are not already a subscriber to our newsletter, I would encourage you to do that as well. We attempt uh, every month to bring articles that will be useful for practitioners of organic outreach, those who are trying to push this uh, culture change within their church, install this new operating system. Thank you for joining us this month on our Practitioner Podcast. Look forward to uh, having you with us again next month. For now, this is Walt Bennett, President of Organic Outreach International, signing off. I hope that this conversation has been encouraging and inspiring to you. Whether we're leading a ministry, church, a denomination, or a family, we need to be engaging every day and reaching out to the lost in ways that are natural. And my prayer is that this podcast provides you with new perspectives, inspirational stories, and creative ways to overcome the challenges we face in this ongoing spiritual battle to reach the lost. If you're engaged in organic outreach in your denomination, church, or home, and you have experiences, stories, or testimonies that you feel would be helpful to others, please send us an email at info at organicoutreach.org. We would love to hear from you. Until next time, this is Walt Bennett reminding you to be on the lookout for divine appointments. And as the Apostle Peter encouraged us, always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have.